the back. Thank you again for your generosity. Okay, I have a story to share with you this morning. Several men were in the locker room of the gym when a cell phone on the bench rang and a man put it on speaker and begins to talk. Everyone in the room stopped to listen. The man says, hello. Woman says, hi, honey, it's me. Are you at the club? He says, yes. She says, I'm at the shops right now. I found this beautiful leather coat. It's only $2,000. Is it okay if I buy it? He says, sure, go ahead if you like it that much. She says, oh, I also stopped the Lexus dealership and saw the new models. I saw one that I really liked. He said, how much is it? She said, 90,000. He says, okay, but for that price, I want all the options. She says, oh, great, and one more thing. I found out that the house I wanted last year is back on the market. They're asking 980,000 for it. The man says, well, go ahead and offer 900,000. They'll probably take it. If not, we can go the extra 80,000 if that's what you really want. She says, you are the best, I love you so much. He says, I love you too. The man hung up. The other men in the locker room were staring at him in astonishment, mouths wide open. He turned and asked, does anyone know whose phone this is? We are calling the summer, the summer of joy. The summer of joy. We are talking about the importance of joy in our lives. Psalms 118 verse 15 says shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. Question for you. What do you think of when you think of a righteous person? I think of someone who's stoic, serious, means business, someone who's uptight, if you will. But this scripture tells us that the righteous shout with joy. My mother-in-law is probably the most classy, cool, calm, and collected woman I have ever met in my life. I've never seen her been out of shape or act out. She is just put together the sweetest, soft-spoken, just so classy. So Marshall and, on Marshall and I's wedding day, we were doing our dances, and my dad and I get done with our father-daughter dance, super sweet. And so Marshall and his mom are making their way to the stage, about to do their dance. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be so precious, so sweet. There's going to be sweet music that plays. I'm preparing to, like, cry a few tears. They have the sweetest bond. I think this is going to be so sweet. They make their way up to the stage. And all of a sudden, the beat drops. And they start doing this choreographed hip-hop dance. Everyone stands up on their feet, jumping, shouting. And I cannot believe my eyes as I see Cheryl Meckler bust a move on the dance floor. Hair up, tennis shoes on. I was like, no way. I loved her a million times more after that moment. All that to be said, Joy is magnetic. Joy is attractive. Joy is memorable. And as people of God, as the righteous, we're called to be the most joy-filled people on the planet. We're called to be remembered by our joy, known for our joy, and filled with joy. Today, we're going to be in Acts chapter 27. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Acts chapter 27. And uh, this is a story about a man named Paul. Um, if you don't know, Paul was formerly named Saul, who was a murderer of Christians. He was persecuting, executing Christians, um, and imprisoning them for their faith. 
And one day, Paul's on the way to Damascus when God encounters him face to face, changes Saul to Paul. Paul would go on to write two-thirds of our New Testament and become the greatest evangelist in history. And before we read this text, I just want to remind us that there is no person that is too far gone for God. Maybe you're here in the room feeling like your sin is too great, you're inadequate, you're unqualified, you don't belong here. Or maybe you know someone who seems like there's no hope for them or they're too far gone. I just want to remind us that no one is too far gone for God. There is no sin that is too great that God's grace cannot cover. And there is no person that's too far gone that he cannot reach. If God can change Paul, God can change anybody. So God we serve. And this is who we are going to read about. This is Paul. And so Paul's preaching the gospel. He gets put in prison for his, for his faith. And so at this point, he's in prison. He gets put on a ship, and he's being sent to Rome. And it's on this voyage that they encounter a storm. And now it's storming today. I thought it'd be fitting to talk about a storm today. So that's what's happening in this passage. Acts chapter 27, starting in verse 14. Before long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so they gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid that they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, here's our guy Paul. Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, which is also translated as keep up your cheer. Because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God who, to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you all the lives of those who sail with you. So keep up your courage or keep up your cheer, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. The title of the message this morning is Lighten Up. Lighten up. Turn to someone next to you and say, lighten up. Lighten up. Anyone ever told you you need to lighten up in life? Uh, Marshall and I's biggest fight to this day was over a game. Over a game. A couple months ago, we were in Florida with our ELC students. If you don't know, ELC is a nine-month leadership college designed for young adults who believe they're made for more in life. 
more than the status quo, more than ordinary, more than normal, but God is something bigger and greater. So we're raising up young adults to be leaders and world changers in this generation. And so if you're a young adult in the room or you have a young adult child, I would just encourage you to consider joining ELC this fall. I believe it is the greatest investment a young adult can make into their future. So it's a nine-month program. At the end of the nine months, we go to Florida and we party on the beach and we celebrate debrief and reflect on all that God did. It's a time of community and celebration and fun. So we play a lot of games in Florida. And uh, one night we were playing this game called Murder in the Dark. And this game is when everybody comes together and just a, a handful of people are randomly selected to be the bad guys. Everyone else is the good guys. And during the rounds, you just walk around and if you get tapped on the shoulder, you just got killed. So you gotta sit down. And then everybody comes together and tries to find out who the killers are. So we're, we're going on a few rounds, everybody's having fun. And then I get suspicious of Marshall. So I pull him aside and I'm thinking, we're both leaders here. You know, we're married. Like he's totally gonna tell me the truth. I say, Marshall, are you? <laughs> Master Steve <laughs> just said, oh no. <laughs> he knows Marshall. <laughs> um, I'm like, are you the murderer? He's like, no. And I'm like, okay, okay, I trust you. We keep going, people are dying. He's still suspicious. So I pull him aside again. And I say, Marshall, are you the murderer? And he said, no. I said, would you tell me if you were? And he said, I would. <laughs> I would tell you. I'm not. And so we kept playing. He was still suspicious. And finally, I pulled him aside again. I said, Marshall, look at me. I said, tell me, are you the murderer? He said, no. And this is where I messed up, okay? I said, on our marriage. I know, I know. I'm the worst. I'm the worst. On our marriage, are you the murderer? He said, no. The next round, I get tapped on the shoulder. And who was it? It was Marshall. <laughs> I have never felt so lied to, so betrayed in my life. My blood was boiling, I was raging. We go to bed later that night, he puts his arm around me, I grab his hand and I say, don't touch me. Lied to me. He said, Madison, it's just a game. You need to lighten up. You need to lighten up. I have a hard time lightening up sometimes when it comes to games, when it comes to movies. I get so invested in a movie. A character dies and I'm grieving for weeks. It's like, it's just a movie, lighten up. Some of you have a hard time lightening up when it comes to sports and competitions. We have a hard time in life lining up about silly things. So it's amazing to me how Paul can look in this passage at 276 men who are in the storm of their life. They've lost all hope. And he says, everyone needs to lighten up around here. Everyone needs to be encouraged, cheer up, have some joy, put a smile on your face. How do you lighten up when you're in the storm of your life? We're gonna find out today how we can lighten up in life. Live light, live free, and full of joy, even in the midst of storms. What we need to understand about this storm, first and foremost, is it was no ordinary storm. 
This was no regular storm. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a random storm. It didn't come out of nowhere. This storm had a name. This storm had a reputation. It was called the Northeaster Wind. And ancient sailors knew this storm. They were afraid of it because it was known for taking ships off of its course. I just wonder today what it is in your life that is known for stealing your joy. What is it in your life that has a reputation of stealing your joy? What is it that's known for getting you discouraged and disappointed and spiral and ruining your day? See, we all have a northeaster wind because the enemy is not creative in his tactics. He doesn't throw new things at us. Let's try this. Let's try this. No, he knows what our northeaster wind is. He knows exactly how to hit us in such a way that will steal our joy and get us off course. This is the type of storm they're stuck in. They get stuck in it. They can't get out. They give way to it. They're being driven along, and the ship is experiencing damage. So verse 17 says the first thing they do is they pass ropes under the ship itself to try to hold it together. They're in a storm. The ship is breaking beneath their feet. They're taking on water and they're sinking and they're trying to hold it together with ropes. This is a story of many of our lives. We're in the storm of our lives and we're just trying to keep it together. Just hold it together. Don't let anyone know. Don't show it. Don't tell anyone. Just keep it together. Grit it out. Do your best. Man up. Keep it together. The problem with that is it will only last so long. It's only a matter of time before you start to break, burst, and fall apart. My son, at the beginning of the year, he had a seizure. And for those 48 hours rushing to the hospital, in the hospital, running tests, all I could think in my mind was keep it together, be strong, keep it together, keep it together. And it wasn't until the next night when we got home from the hospital, put him in his crib safe and sound, that I sat on the stairs and sobbed. Because keeping it together only lasts so long. Trying to keep it together with your own might, your own willpower, your own strength is not the answer. This is what they're doing. Yet the ship is breaking. It's breaking, the storm is unrelenting, and they're sinking. And it's at this moment that they realize the ship is carrying too much weight. The ship is carrying too much weight. The storm was not necessarily the problem. The weight on the ship was the problem. It was holding too much it had too much stuff on it, too much weight on it, and it would not make it through the storm carrying that amount of weight. And I felt like God wanted to speak to some people today who feel weighed down. You feel heavy. You feel burdened. You feel weighed down. You're weighed down by the cares of this world, the struggles, the burdens, the stresses, all the pressure that's on you. The pressure to take care of your family. The pressure to make everybody happy. The pressure to take care of everybody else. The pressure to make, keep your business afloat. 
the pressure of your financial burden, the, the fear of the future, the regret of the past, all of this is too heavy on your shoulders. And I would propose to you today that the reason you don't have joy is because you're carrying too much weight. You're carrying too much on you. You're heavy and you don't have joy and you feel like you're sinking. What do you do when you feel weighed down? What the sailors do in verse 18, it tells us that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. They began to take what was weighing the ship down and throw it. They released it. They surrendered it. And I just have a word for someone this morning who feels weighed down, who feels heavy, and who feels burdened that joy is found in surrender. Joy is found in releasing the weight that's on you onto God taking the burdens and the cares of this world and stop trying to carry them on your shoulders and cast every care onto God because he cares for you. That's how joy's found. We think joy's found in getting more, putting on more, get, 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 gain, gain, gain. No, that's what's sinking you. Joy's found in releasing it. Joy's found in surrendering it. Joy is found in laying my life down. Jesus says, if you want to find your life, you got to lose it. You want to find joy, begin to release it. Begin to lay your life down. So this passage teaches us three things today that we need to surrender. Three things that we need to release first thing they surrender as we read was their cargo they threw their cargo overboard the cargo was their personal belongings it was their material possessions it was their finances everything that they had first thing we need to surrender today is everything that we have everything that I have everything that belongs to me everything that's in my name all my possessions need to be surrendered to God. If we're not careful, we will actually believe that everything we have is ours. Everything we have belongs to me. I worked for it. I earned it. I went to school for it. I paid it. It's mine. I heard interesting, I heard interesting parenting strategy in regards to giving kids cell phones. We got a while until we got to deal with this one, so take it if you want it. Um, this father was talking about how uh, he never gave his kid a cell phone. Because when it, he was saying that when a kid thinks that it's theirs, this is my phone, they have a hard time turning it in. They have a hard time releasing it. They don't want to give it to their parents to look at it or anything because it's theirs. So he says we have family phones that they get to borrow and they get to use. So they have no problem giving it back. They have no problem letting their parents see it because they know it's not theirs. I wonder today if we have a hard time releasing everything we have because we believe it's mine. It's mine. No, God can't have it. I'm not going to give it. I'm not going to tithe. I'm not going to sow. I'm not going to be generous. I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to give my, it's, it's my life, my time. 
And I just want to remind us today that everything that we have is a gift from God. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift comes from God. This means my house belongs to God. My cars belong to God. My clothes belong to God. My kids belong to God. Everything I have is his. We need to know that we are not owners of what we have. We're just stewards. I'm a steward. Owners have closed hands. Stewards have open hands. I encourage you today to thank God for all that he's given you all that he's blessed you with and hold it with an open hand every night we pray over sailor and i thank god i say god thank you for trusting us with him thank you for giving us him because i understand he's not mine he's god's and if i think he's mine i'm gonna worry and carry so much weight on me about his well-being and his safety and his future, and I would carry that weight. But when I give him to God and I surrender him to God, I say, no, he's in your hands. Joy is found in surrender. They threw their cargo overboard. Next thing they throw overboard in verse 19 tells us they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. With their own hand, I think that's interesting. Side note, true surrender is giving God things willingly, not him forcing it out of our hands. They threw it over with their own hands. But they threw their tackle. Their tackle was what they worked with on a daily basis. This was their tools. This is how they solved problems. They worked on the maintenance of the ship on a daily basis. The second thing we need to surrender today is all that you do. Surrender all that you have and surrender all that you do. Oftentimes we rely too much on our own ability to make things happen. I got this, I can do this, I can make this work, I can fix this problem. We rely too much on ourselves. In Luke chapter five, we meet Simon Peter. Simon Peter's a professional fisherman. And when we find him in this passage, it says that he had been fishing and casting his net all night long for hours. Jesus shows up and Jesus tells him, he says, why don't you throw your net into the deep end? If we're Peter, we're thinking, I'm the professional here. I've been doing this for years. I was trained to do this. This is my job. What kind of experience do you have? I've been doing this all night long. What do you mean just throw it? I've been trying to do that. And we would make excuses because we're the professionals. I know better. I'm experienced. And we trust our own ability. But Peter didn't do this. He says, because you say so, I will let down the nets. Do you know what happened? When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So much success. Can, I just want you to see this. He worked all night, didn't catch a thing when he was the most experienced, when he was the most qualified. But one moment of surrender gave him more success than he could ever do on his own. You and I will be so much more successful in what we do 
in our jobs, in our roles, in our parenting, in our teaching, in our coaching, in our training, in our serving, when it's surrendered. When it's surrendered. That's how we are truly successful. Not in, I know how to make money. I know how to start this business. I know how to make my kids behave. I've read all the parenting books. I've listened to all the podcasts. I can't know. Why don't we just surrender to what God says? And when we obey and surrender him, he will make supernatural success on our behalves. On our behalves. Even when Jesus said, come follow me, it says that Peter dropped his nets and left. Because he knew, I'm not doing what I want to do in my life. I'm doing what you want me to do in my life. This needs to be our prayer. This needs to be our heart. I'm not doing what I think is best. I'm not choosing the career path that I want. I'm not telling my kids to do what I want them to do. It's about what God wants. Jesus says, not my will be done, but yours be done. All we do needs to be surrendered. When I gave my life to the Lord, I surrendered everything. And I I prayed this prayer every day. I said, God, I say yes to you. Whether you want me in an office cubicle, my answer is yes. Whether you want me on a stage, my answer is yes. Whether you want me in a third world country as a missionary, my answer is yes. No matter what you have for me, my answer is yes. And true success will be found in surrender. True joy will be found in surrender. So they throw their cargo, they throw their tackle, but here's the problem. The ship was still sinking. They are throwing stuff, throwing heavy stuff, but but the ship is still breaking. It's not working. It's still sinking, and it says that they had lost all hope, but they still had one more thing to surrender. They still had one more thing to release, and verse 38 tells us that they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. The last thing we need to surrender is all that we are. All that we have, all that we do, and all that we are. We are so good sometimes at surrendering some. So good at surrendering most. Or we're so good at surrendering so we look to others like we are surrendered. But God's not satisfied with some of us or most of us. He wants all of us. All of us. I have a funny story. When I was a teenager, I did some really reckless things. <laughs> and for example, one day I was hanging out with some friends. Um, and I was in the back seat of a car. My friend was on a skateboard. And I lean out of the car, reach my hand out. I say, grab my hand. She grabs my hand. So I'm in the car. She's on the skateboard. I'm pulling her by the car. I'm not the driver. Driver's going like two miles an hour. Then he speeds up to like three miles an hour, four miles an hour, five miles an hour. We're like, oh, this is crazy. This is so much fun. Look at us. This is wild. She's like, ah. <laughs> Driver speeding up seven miles an hour, nine, 10. We get up to 15 miles an hour. She's on her skateboard. I'm holding on to her. And then all of a sudden, I see her get the speed wobbles. And it's like slow motion how she fell to the ground. We slam on the brakes, run outside of the car, run to her. She's not moving. She gets rushed to the hospital. Praise the Lord, she's okay. But I think back to this, and I say the reason she fell was because she was torn. Halfway here, 
and halfway there. Halfway giving control to the car, but halfway keeping our own control on the skateboard. I think this is how many believers live our lives. We give God some. Maybe we give God most. But we haven't given our all. And we're torn. We give God some control, but then we keep control over other things. We keep our hands on other things. And God's saying today, would you give me all? Would you give me all of your life? Would you give me all of your heart? The Bible says, love the Lord your God with all. All of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your strength. We're called to give him all. Jesus is the most beautiful example of this. Before he goes to the cross, he says, God, not my will be done, but yours be done. He surrendered all. His joy or his surrender led him to joy. The Bible says in Hebrews, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Even when he surrendered his life, it led him to great joy. Great joy is found when we surrender all. Not some, not most, not part, but all. We say, God, all of me is yours. My heart is yours. My future is yours. My relationships are yours. I encourage you today to give everything to God. Your past regrets, your future problems, your future ambitions, your fears, your dreams, your weaknesses, your habits, your hurts, your hangups, give it all. Joyce found in giving everything. It wasn't until these sailors released everything that they got through the storm. It tells us in verse 44 that they all reached land safely. They would have never made it if they didn't release the weight that was on them. They would have never made it if they didn't surrender. And I'm here to tell you, you won't make it through the storm you are in unless you surrender. You won't make it unless you give that weight over to God. Give it to him. When I was six years old, I went and played laser tag for the first time. Remember the first time you played laser tag? It's the most epic experience. It's pitch black, neon lights everywhere, the sound, everything. You know, they play the video that gives you the rundown. It's so intense. They put the vest on me, give me the gun. I'm little, and this thing swallows me. The gun is bigger than my body, and I'm just like, okay, playing with all the big kids. The doors open, everyone's shooting each other, the music, the it's crazy. And uh, I realized that the vest is so heavy on my shoulders that my shoulders start to really hurt. And it hurts so bad to the point that I sat in the corner and I started crying and I gave up. And uh, one of the workers, who was probably a 16-year-old boy, came to me and he said, he said, what's wrong? I said, I can't play. This vest is too heavy for me. I can't play. It hurts. And he says, I'm going to help you. He says, stand up. Why don't you give the vest to me? I'll carry the vest. You carry the gun. We'll play this thing together. I'll follow you. I'll even tell you what corners to go through, who to hit. He said, I'm really good at this. We will do so good together. And that's what we did. He carried the vest. I carried the gun. And I had the best experience playing laser tag. I had so much joy playing laser tag. You know why? Because I stopped carrying a weight that was too heavy for me to carry. I just have a word for someone today. You've been carrying a weight that's too heavy for you. You've been carrying a burden that's too heavy for you. No wonder you don't have joy. You're weighed down. And God's saying, would you give it to me? Would you give it to me? 
you cast your cares on me? For I care for you. He's the only one who can carry the weight of this world. He's the only one who can carry the weight of your family, the weight of your future, and the weight of this world. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry a heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give you is light. God wants you to lighten up today. God wants you to have your head held high. God wants you to have joy and have freedom, and you're about to feel the lightest and the most joyful you have ever felt when you surrender to him. Can we stand all across this room? The presence of God is here right now. We want to give an opportunity to anyone in